Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Anderson. This episode features content regarding a call to action for increased awareness of hepatitis delta. During this podcast, Dr. Grace Wong, Professor of Medicine at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, and Dr. Ming-Lung Yu, Chair and Professor in the Hepatobiliary Division in the Department of Internal Medicine and Hepatitis Center at Kaohsiung Medical University, and visiting staff in the Hepatobiliary Division in the Department of Internal Medicine at Kaohsiung Medical University Hospital in Taiwan, discuss who is at risk for hepatitis delta and who should be screened so that they may be linked into care if they are hepatitis delta positive. For more information about Dr. Wong and Dr. Yu, and for a link to the full online educational program, please visit the link in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's get started and hear what Dr. Wong and Dr. Yu have to say about increased awareness of hepatitis delta. Hello, everyone. I'm Grace Wong from the Chinese University of Hong Kong. I'm a hepatologist in Hong Kong. Good day. I'm Min Long Yu from uh, Kaohsiung Medical University, Kaohsiung, Taiwan. I'm a hepatologist focusing on the uh, viral hepatitis and also coronary liver diseases. Professor, it's so nice to meet you here. And I know that in recent years, there have been quite a lot of advances in terms of hepatitis delta. So I really want to learn from you on this important topic. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> this, this do have a lot of uh, progress in the uh, management of hepatitis delta virus. But so far, the approved agents has only been approved in Europe, but not in the Asia Pacific and not in the uh, North America. So mm-hmm. there's still a lot of work we have to do. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I'm always curious that chronic hepatitis B is so prevalent in our region, but uh, kind of unexpected in Hong Kong. In fact, hepatitis delta is very kind of neglected because we don't even have very good tests to diagnose hepatitis delta. So how about the situation in Taiwan? We have uh, an encouraging program for the hepatitis delta because mm-hmm. the national health insurance uh, to uh, reimburse the test of Delta virus, uh, the anti-HDV, mm-hmm. but the, the, the National Health uh, do, does not in, reimburse the testing of Delta RNA. It's still mm-hmm. a gap. The patient have to pay themselves. As Chris, Chris said, that it's very important because in the general population, in our previous study, for patients with hepatitis B, that's mm-hmm. just only uh, around the 2%, 1 to 2% of the HBB carrier had the uh, anti-HBB positivity. So it's quite okay. low in general population. Yeah, in fact, in, in Hong Kong, we do not have very systematic uh, uh, review or screening for that. But I also I look into our own data in Hong Kong over the last 20 years. We have uh, kind of like um, maybe close to 10,000 patients with chronic hepatitis uh, B with the anti-HDV uh, serology tested. And among them, in fact, less than 100 uh, were found to be positive. So which makes that, in fact, the prevalence of hepatitis delta infection among happy patients in Hong Kong would be very, very low. I, I would say that it's below 0.1%. So which makes this important disease quite, uh, first, it's quite uncommon in Hong Kong and also makes uh, many doctors, even hepatologists, they would not think about that if uh, some patients may have some risk factors. 
but just a few months ago, I came across a patient uh, who had a triple infection. He had hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and hepatitis Delta because he is an uh, intravenous drug user. So I guess uh, this infection will still be found in some high-risk patients. Yeah, yeah. But although the uh, prince rates were low in the uh, general population of uh, HBB carrier, I would remind all of the, uh, not only the physician, but also the uh, HBB calling infected patients because co-infected with the Delta virus will increase not only the uh, risk of end-stage liver disease, but also increase the risk of hepatocytocarcinoma, even for the patient who are underweight the anti-HBB oral nucleoside analog maintenance therapy. So I think it's very important that I would suggest every HBB carrier patients have two tests of the anti-HDB at least one time in their uh, life. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think that would be a very good suggestion. Yeah, in fact, uh, that's exactly what we observe in our patient, even though we only have a very small cohort, less than uh, 100 patients with uh, positivity in anti-HDB antibody, but we also find that the risk of having HCC and also all those cirrhotic complications would be uh, significantly increased. I think the challenging point is we are kind of taking care of so many patients with chronic hepatitis B. So, for example, in Hong Kong, the prevalence is still around 6% in adult populations, which means that we still have at least half a million of such patients with chronic hepatitis B. So I just wonder whether we should really screen all of them, or you would suggest maybe at first we can screen some patients with risk factors first. How about the plan in Taiwan? So far, there are no... Uh... Uh, the uh, recommendation from the uh, liver society. Right. But because in our recent study, we observed uh, if a, for a patient with active uh, chronic HBB infection, the anti-HDB anti rate was around the 2.3%, and the HDB virality rate was around 1%. Even such a small population, they are uh, at a very high risk of HCC. So I would suggest at least Calling HBV infected patients who are going to receive the uh, nucleus analog therapy, it means that the patient has active inflammation of the liver. The liver, they need to uh, test for anti-HDV at least once at the, uh, their uh, lifetime. Right. And also, as course say, you are very right. The other population are at a very high risk of HDV. The first one is the person who injected drug. All right. Because we from uh, around uh, 15 years ago, uh, we, we started to uh, evaluate the anti-HDB uh, pulse rate in this special population. The anti-D, so the pulse rate was very high, around 40% of the HBB barrier possible anti-HDB in PWID population around uh, 15 years ago. And recently, the pulse rate decreased a little bit from 40% to 25%, still very high. So I would suggest patients with experience of PWID or current, currently with PWID have to check the anti-D because mm -hmm. of the very high pulse rate. Another population is the sexual work oh, uh, person. Oh. Yeah, it's also at the risk of anti-D. Yeah, I think that's a very wise move to really target the screening maybe at the very beginning for those with risk factors. Yeah, I also want to discuss a little bit about the treatment, even though now in Asia, we do not have the new drugs at this moment. 
but would you think that uh, maybe some of these patients you may consider to use maybe pectinated interferon because that may, can help both the viruses, both the hepatitis B as well as the Delta virus. Uh, do you have some experience on this aspect? Uh, yeah, actually, because the uh, the Taiwan health insurance did, uh, does not reimburse the PEC interferon in the treatment of HDV. But we do we do have a, a, a few cases they have active HVB uh, infection information and uh, eligible for the PEC interferon therapy around 10 years ago. We did uh, observe dramatic decline of the HD, not only the HBV DNA, but also the HDV RNA. Oh, Unfortunately, no. after stopping the PEC interferon, uh, mo most of the patients have HDV RNA that do last. So oh, yeah. I think we need a more uh, powerful mm -hmm. uh, regimen whatever the uh, the engine inhibitor or combination of the engine inhibitor plus the PEG interferon. Yeah, we need the new regimen to um, to treat our patient. And so I think they are, they are noted that can advise us how long of the how long of the anti-HDV regimens should be have to for the for our patient to prevent the biological relapse. Have you yeah, any yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, this is a very important question. In fact, I also had some experience myself in the old days using uh, peculated interferon. In fact, I have a few uh, patients from Mongolia. They uh -huh. have very active hepatitis B and also Delta. And for those patients, we put them on peculated interferon as well as the oral uh, newt combination therapy for up to like two years. In fact, uh, usually after the initial months, they are uh, like the ALT would be normalized, HDNA level, HDV, RNA level would decrease. But I agree with you that if we stop like just around a year, usually there will be quite a lot of uh, relapse of the Delta virus. So some patients will prolong their treatment. But I, I fully agree with you that in fact, the exact treatment duration is to be defined. I think some studies are not in, in the recent years showing that if you just treat the patient for a year or so, many patients will relapse. So now many studies will keep on like two years or even a prolonged maintenance therapy. So I would have to say that this is a very challenging infection to clear. But I, I'm so happy, so looking forward to the new drugs that now is available in the Europe, in the West. I hope that we will get access to these drugs in Asia very soon. Yeah. Yes, I hope so. Uh, before the uh, availability of the anti-HDB regimen, I think uh, we have uh, to uh, advise uh, not only uh, the, the patient, but also the physician to increase the disease awareness. Also, although it's a very small population, but it do have a lot of uh, long-term complications with the patient uh, get the HDB and HBB. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I really hope that because in Hong Kong, we don't even have the HDRNA assay in our public lab. We have oh. to send samples to some private lab. I also hope that our government can increase their accessibility to the assays so that we can really screen our patients mm -hmm. and also to measure the viral load of the Delta virus if we really suspect uh, active viremia. Yeah, sure. So, Chris, uh, would you recommend them um, to uh, have a um, more closely monitoring for the patient with HBV and HDV co-infection? I would say that at least in Hong Kong, because the prevalence is still not too high, so I still I would prefer to have uh, like more targeted screening, like what you mentioned just now, some important risk factors. We may consider to screen those subjects like those pivot and sexual workers and other risk factors. And probably for those who 
have been on very potent antiviral drugs with good suppression of the HBDNA, but somehow their ALT remains uh, unstable, fluctuating. I think these patients we may also consider to test for anti-HDV first. And if it is positive, then we should also check the HDV RNA. Wow, yes, yes, perfect, exactly, yeah. We also observed the patient who under maintenance nucleoside analog for HBB, but still have a, a, a elevated LLT level. And, uh, and I think the HDB calling patient play an important role in this uh, clinical issue. Yeah, yeah, fully agree with that, yeah. <laughs> That's all I would like to share. So, uh, Professor Yu, do you have any other uh, topics or you would like to share? <laughs> oh, yeah. The topic here is that we have to increase the awareness to uh, test the patient with anti-D, at least for the patient at high-risk behavior. And then uh, if the patient have uh, HBB, HB co-infections, uh, at least to treat the HBB inflammation and uh, closely monitoring the patient's uh, with uh, liver function tests, ultrasound sonography to uh, early detect the uh, hepatocellular carcinoma, if any. And uh, we are very eager, uh, waiting for the new anti-HDB uh, regimen yeah. for this patient population. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Okay. Thank you so much for your expert opinion on that. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's very happy to uh, have you to join this discussion. Thank you very much to Dr. Wong and Dr. Yu, and thank you to our listeners for joining in. As a reminder, to view the full Don't Delay with Delta program on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And please be sure to check back regularly for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you.